Hello and welcome to the podcast, An Overview of English Literature, the perfect place for book lovers and enthusiasts of the classics of English literature. As I mentioned in the previous episode, it is October, so it's time to cozy up with a blanket and a cup of hot chocolate, coffee or tea, and read spooky stories. And this is what we're going to do. My name is Dr. Fernanda Moura. I am a literary scholar, English literature teacher, passionate about 19th century literature, founder of Books and Culture, where I offer online literature courses and workshops. And this is episode 43 of the podcast. This is the second session in a series of special episodes called Seven Days of Halloween. There will be seven episodes and six scary stories to put you in the right mood for Halloween. Six stories because one of the story is a bit long, so I've decided to divide it into two sessions. Today we'll read the short story, The Shoemaker and the Devil by Anton Chekhov, Russian playwright and short story writer, and considered to be one of the greatest writers of all time. It's a spooky tale set in Christmas Eve. Are you ready for it? So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to day two of the seven days of Halloween. How are you? And today we're going to go to Russia in the 19th century. We're going to read the story The Shoemaker and the Devil by Anton Chekhov. And this story was published in 1888. Let me know if you've heard of this story before, if you've read it before, or if you're familiar with Chekhov's uh, work. Um, a little bit of context before we dig into the reading. Remember, we should always read literature in context. And I always tell my students that literature and history go hand in hand. So it's important to place the text in the world. Um, so it was written by Anton Anton Chekhov, who was born in 1860 and died in 1904. He was a Russian playwright and short story writer, and he is considered to be one of the greatest writers of his time um, in realist fiction, right? Um, and he is considered to be one of the key figures in the birth of early modernism in the theater. He wrote um, uh, several uh, successful plays, but today we're not going to talk about his work in the theater. We're going to talk about his work as a fiction writer, uh, I mean, um, short story writer, and specifically about the shoemaker and the devil. Uh, a curiosity about Chekhov is that he was a physician, he was a doctor by profession, and he used to say the following, medicine is my lawful wife and literature is my mistress. That's quite an interesting um, saying, right? So he was a, a, um, a doctor by profession, but he um, was always in love with literature and he produced some uh, very important pieces of writing. So let's get started with today's story, The Shoemaker and the Devil, 
So this is how it works. I'm going to read the story. You can find it online if you want to, to uh, read along. And uh, I'm going to stop at certain points so we can talk about it. And I would love to know your thoughts on this story. So let's get started. The Shoemaker and the Devil. It was Christmas Eve. Just a parenthesis here. It's very interesting how there are so many um, uh, spooky stories or ghost stories uh, that take place during Christmas, right? So the dark days of winter and the cold outside, the fire inside, that's um, a recurrent theme. And this story takes place on Christmas Eve. So let's see. It was Christmas Eve. Maria had long been snoring on the stove. All the paraffin in the little lamp had burned out. But Fyodor Nilov still sat at work. He would long ago have flung aside his work and gone out into the street. But a customer from Koloconi Lane, who had a fortnight before ordered some boots, had been in the previous day had abused him roundly and had ordered him to finish the boots at once before the morning service. It's a convict's life, Fyodor grumbled as he worked. Some people have been asleep long ago. Others are enjoying themselves, while you sit here like some cane and sow for the devil knows whom. To save himself from accidentally falling asleep, he kept taking a bottle from under the table and drinking out of it. And after every pull at it, he twisted his head and said aloud, what is the reason, kindly tell me, that customers enjoy themselves while I am forced to sit and work for them? Because they have money and I'm a beggar? He hated all his customers, especially the one who lived in Koloconi Lane. He was a gentleman of gloomy appearance, with long hair, a yellow face, blue spectacles, and a husky voice. He had a German name which one could not pronounce. It was impossible to tell what was his calling and what he did. When a fortnight ago, Fyodor had gone to take his measure, he, the customer, was sitting on the floor, pounding something in a mortar. Before Fyodor had time to say good morning, the contents of the mortar suddenly flared up and burned with a bright red flame. There was a stink of sulfur and burned feathers, and the room was filled with a thick pink smoke, so that Fyodor sneezed five times. And as he returned home afterwards, he thought, Anyone who feared God would not have anything to do with things like that. When there was nothing left in the bottle, Fyodor put the boots on the table and sank into thought. He leaned his heavy hand on his fist and began thinking of his poverty, of his hard life with no glimmer of light in it. Then he thought of the rich, of their big houses and their carriages, of their hundred ruble notes. How nice it would be if the houses of this rich man, the devil flay them, were smashed. If their horses died, 
if their fur coats and sable caps got shabby. How splendid it would be if the rich, little by little, changed into beggars, having nothing, and he, a poor shoemaker, were to become rich and were to lord it over some other poor shoemaker on Christmas Eve. Dreaming like this, Fyodor suddenly thought of his work and opened his eyes. Here's a go, he thought, looking at the boots. The job has been finished ever so long ago, and I go on sitting here. I must take the boots to the gentleman. He wrapped up the work in a red handkerchief, put on his things and went out into the street. A fine hard snow was falling, prickling the face as though with needles. It was cold, slippery, dark. The gas lamps burned dimly, and for some reason, there was a smell of paraffin in the street, so that Fyodor coughed and cleared his throat. Rich men were driving to and fro on the road, and every rich man had a hem and a bottle of vodka in his hands. Rich young ladies peeped at Fyodor out of the carriages and sledges, put out their tongues and shouted laughing, Beggar! Beggar! So, what are you thinking of the story so far? So, the protagonist is Fyodor, a shoemaker, and he was forced to work on Christmas Eve to finish the boots for this certain gentleman. And it's a very mysterious gentleman because a fortnight ago, so two weeks ago, when he had been to the house of this uh, gentleman to take the measurements of his feet, he noticed something quite strange going on. So the man was sitting on the floor and he was grinding something on the mortar and some flame flared up. There was a pink smoke and smell of sulfur in the air. And he thought, well, this cannot be any God's thing. So what do you think was going on? What was this man doing? And what kind of man is he? And why did he force Fyodor to work on Christmas Eve. It's interesting how at the same time that there is this spooky atmosphere, Chekhov also writes some social criticism, right? So the social inequality between the uh, poor working uh, people who had to um, uh, stay in, they could not have fun outside, they had to work on Christmas Eve, while the others, the rich people, were just outside having fun with a piece of ham, a bottle of vodka, and laughing at the working people. So you see how he combines social criticism with this spooky um, atmosphere, this mood he's creating. You see that there's a, a dark mood here, right? Something should happen, right? So let's continue. So he's bringing the, the boots to the men. Students, officers, and merchants walked behind Fyodor, jeering at him and crying. Drunkard, drunkard, infidel cobbler, soul of a bootleg, beggar. All this was insulting. But Fyodor held his tongue and only spat in disgust. But when Kuzma Lebyot came from Varsov, a master bootmaker met him and said, 
I've married a rich woman and I have men working under me while you are a beggar and have nothing to eat. Fyodor could not refrain from running after him. He pursued him till he found himself in Kolokoni Lane. His customer lived in the fourth house from the corner on the very top floor. To reach him, one had to go through a long, dark courtyard and then to climb up a very high slippery staircase, which tottered under one's feet. When Fyodor went in to him, he was sitting on the floor, pounding something in a mortar, just as he had been the fortnight before. Your honor, I have brought your boots, said Fyodor sullenly. The customer got up and began trying on the boots in silence. Desiring to help him, Fyodor went down on one knee and pulled off his old boot, but at once jumped up and staggered towards the door in horror. The customer had not a foot, but a hoof, like a horse's. Aha, thought Fyodor, that's a go. The first thing should have been to cross himself, then to leave everything and run downstairs. But he immediately reflected that he was meeting a devil for the first time and probably the last time. And not to take advantage of his services would be foolish. He controlled himself and determined to try his luck. Clasping his hands behind him to avoid making the sign of the cross, he coughed respectfully and began. They say there is nothing on earth more evil and impure than the devil. But I am of the opinion, your honor, that the devil is highly educated. He has, excuse my saying it, hooves and a tail behind, but he has more brains than many a student. I like you for what you say, said the devil, flattered. Thank you, shoemaker. What do you want? So the story has taken an interesting turn, right? I see some comments here. So Noemi, we are reading the short story, The Devil and the Shoemaker by Anton Chekhov. Um, and Alessandra has an interesting uh, comment here. I think he is the devil. And that was before we found out he is indeed the devil. He's written in the medieval tradition, the mysterious man connect with sulfur. Yes, it's not a coincidence that um, uh, Fyodor smells sulfur when he sees this strange man uh, doing some sort of potion. Um, so it is already a hint, a foreshadowing of what is about to come. And indeed, when the um, uh, when Fyodor arrives to try on the boots in the new customer, he takes off the old boot and he is shocked because there is not a foot there, but there is a hoof. And remember, the devil also has hooves instead of feet. So then at first he's extremely scared. He wants to cross himself, to go away. That should be the right thing to do. But then he thought, well, wait a minute. It's not every day that we get a chance to meet the devil. So since I'm here, I might as well take advantage of it. So he, he tries to, um, to compliment the, the devil, saying that he is 
uh, highly educated. And then the devil responds, thank you, shoemaker, what do you want? So let's continue the story. And without loss of time, the shoemaker began complaining of his lot. He began by saying that from his childhood up, he had envied the rich. He had always resented it that all people did not live alike in big houses and drive with good horses. Why, he asked, was he poor? How was he worse than Kuzma Lebyodkin from Varsov, who had his own house and whose wife wore a hat? He had the same sort of nose, the same hands, feet, head and back as the rich. And so why was he forced to work when others were enjoying themselves? Why was he married to Maria and not to a lady smelling of scent? He had often seen beautiful young ladies in the houses of rich customers, but they either took no notice of him, whatever, or else sometimes laughed and whispered to each other, what a red nose that shoemaker has. It was true that Maria was a good, kind, hardworking woman, but she was not educated. Her hand was heavy and hit hard, and if one had occasion to speak of politics or anything intellectual before her, she would put her spoke in and talk the most awful nonsense. What do you want then? His customer interrupted him. I beg you, your honor Satan, Ivanich, to be graciously pleased to make me a rich man. Certainly. Only for that, you must give me up your soul. Before the cocks crow, go and sign on this paper here that you give me up your soul. Your honor, said Fyodor politely, when you order a pair of boots from me, I did not ask for the money in advance. One has first to carry out the order and then ask for payment. Oh, very well, the customer assented. A bright flame suddenly flared up in the mortar. A pink thick smoke came puffing out and there was a smell of burnt feathers and sulfur. Sulfur again. When the smoke had subsided, Fyodor rubbed his eyes and saw that he was no longer Fyodor, no longer a shoemaker, but quite a different man, wearing a waistcoat and a watch chain and a new pair of trousers and that he was sitting in an armchair at a big table. Two footmen were handing him dishes, bowing low and saying, kindly eat your honor and may it do you good. What wealth! The footman handed him a big piece of roast mutton and a dish of cucumbers, and then brought in a frying pan, a roast goose, and a little afterwards boiled pork with horseradish cream. And how dignified, how genteel it all was. Fyodor ate and before each dish drank a big glass of excellent vodka, like some general or some count. After the pork, he was handed some boiled grain moistened with goose fat, then an omelette with bacon fat, then fried liver, and he went on eating and was delighted. What more? They served to a pie with onion and steamed turnip with kvass. How is it the gentry don't burst with such meals? He thought. 
In conclusion, they handed him a pot of honey. After dinner, the devil appeared in blue spectacles and asked with a low bow, Are you satisfied with your dinner, Fyodor Pontelich? So you see how smart um, uh, Fyodor is. So he's treating the devil with a lot of deference. He says, Your honor, um, sir, your honor, uh, Satan. Um, he's being very polite because, of course, he wants something from the devil. He wants to be rich. And he also uh, convinces the devil to give him the prize before signing up his soul. So like uh, he compares the business transaction with the shoes that he makes. So he does not ask for the money in advance of the boots. So the devil should not ask for the soul in advance of the gift. And the devil agrees. But well, what do you think? Do you think Fyodor can really trick the devil or is the devil smarter? I think it's also very interesting when we read 19th century texts or any historical text, how we get a glimpse into what people ate and drank and how they behaved, how they moved from place to place. So they, um, so they, they um, moved in carriages and you see the kind of food they ate there in, in late 19th century Russia and what they drank. So he had a feast and um, then the devil comes back to ask if he's satisfied. So Alessandro says that he's very smart, the shoemaker is very smart, but maybe the devil is smarter. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. So the devil asks, are you satisfied with your dinner? But Fyodor could not answer one word. He was so stuffed after his dinner. The feeling of repletion was unpleasant, oppressive, and to distract his thoughts, he looked at the boot on his left foot. For a boot like that, I used not to take less than seven and a half rubbles. What shoemaker made it? He asked. Kuzma Lebyodkin, answered the footman. Send for him, the fool. Kuzma Lebyodkin from Varsov soon made his appearance. That's the man he used to be jealous of, right? He stopped in a respectful attitude at the door and asked, What are your honors? What, sorry, what are your order, orders, your honor? Hold your tongue, cried Fyodor and stamped his foot. Don't dare to argue. Remember your place as a cobbler. Blockhead, you don't know how to make boots. I'll beat your ugly face to a jelly. Why have you come? For money. What money? Be off. Come on Saturday. Boy, give him a cuff. But he at once recalled what a life the customers used to lead him to, and he felt heavy at heart. And to distract his attention, he took a fat pocketbook out of his pocket and began counting his money. There was a great deal of money, but Fyodor wanted more still. The devil in the blue spectacles brought him another notebook, fatter still, but he wanted even more. And the more he counted it, the more discontented he became. 
It's interesting how he felt so oppressed when he was a working man himself. And now that he's a, um, a wealthy uh, gentleman, he does the same. So he uh, copies the same kind, of, he reproduces the same kind of oppression he suffered onto someone else. And he's not satisfied with money. The more he has, the more he wants. Let's see where this is going to go. In the evening, the evil one brought him a full-bosom lady in a red dress and said that this was his new wife. He spent the whole evening kissing her and eating gingerbreads. And at night, he went to bed on a soft, downy feather bed, turned from side to side and could not go to sleep. He felt uncanny. We have a great deal of money, he said to his wife. We must look out for thieves, they will be bringing in. You had better go and look with a candle. He did not sleep all night and kept getting up to see if his box was all right. In the morning, he had to go to church to Matins. In church, the same honor is done to rich and poor alike. When Fyodor was poor, he used to pray in church like this. God, forgive me a sinner. He said the same thing now, though he had become rich. What difference was there? And after death, Fyodor Rich would not be buried in gold, not in diamonds, but in the same black earth as the poorest beggar. Fyodor would burn in the same fire as cobblers. Fyodor resented all this, and too he felt weighed down all over by his dinner, and instead of prayer, he had all sorts of thoughts in his head about his box of money, about thieves, about his bartered, ruined soul. He came to church in a bad temper. To drive away his unpleasant thoughts, as he had often done before, he struck up a song at the top of his voice. But as soon as he began, a policeman ran up and said with his fingers to the peak of his cap, Your Honor, gentlefolk must not sing in the street. You are not a shoemaker. Fyodor leaned his back against the fence and fell to thinking. What could he do to amuse himself? So you see that life as a wealthy gentleman is not exactly as he thought it would be like, right? He can't not sing in the streets and uh, he prays just the same. And when he dies, he's going to end up the same as anyone. Um, Alison writes, there is a strong social uh, criticism in this tale indeed so do you do you notice that the social criticism in this story so let's see what's going to happen to Fyodor what do you think what do you think is going to happen to Fyodor so he was um, with his, leaning with his back against the fence right and thinking what could I do to amuse myself your honor a porter shouted to him, don't lean against the fence. You will spoil your fur coat. Fyodor went into a shop and bought himself the very best concertina, then went out into the street playing it. Everybody pointed at him and laughed. And a gentleman too, the catman jeered at him, like some cobbler. Is it the proper thing for gentlefolk to be disorderly in the street? A policeman said to him, you had better go into a tavern. 
Your honor, give us a trifle for Christ's sake, the beggars wailed, surrounding Fyodor on all sides. In earlier days, when he was a shoemaker, the beggars took no notice of him. Now they wouldn't let him pass. And at home, his new wife, the lady, was waiting for him, dressed in a green blouse and a red skirt. He meant to be attentive to her and had just lifted his arm to give her a good clout on the back, but she said angrily, Peasant, ignorant lout, you don't know how to behave with ladies. If you love me, you will kiss my hand. I don't allow you to beat me. This is a blasted existence, thought Fyodor. People do lead a life. You mustn't sing, you mustn't play the concertina, you mustn't have a lark with a lady. Phew. He had no sooner sat down to tea with the lady when the evil spirit in the blue spectacles appeared and said, Come, Fyodor Pantelich, I have performed my part of the bargain. Now sign your paper and come along with me. And he dragged Fyodor to hell, straight to the furnace. And devils flew up from all directions and shouted, Fool, blockhead, ass. There was a fearful smell of paraffin in hell, enough to suffocate one. And suddenly it all vanished. Fyodor opened his eyes and saw his table, the boots and the tin lamp. The lamp glass was black, and from the faint light on the wick came clouds of stinking smoke as from a chimney. Near the table stood the customer in the blue spectacles, shouting angrily, Fool! Blockhead! Ass! I'll give you a lesson, you scoundrel! You took the order a fortnight ago, and the boots aren't ready yet! Do you suppose I want to come trepacing round here half a dozen times a day for my boots? You wretch! You brute! Fyodor shook his head and set to work on the boots. The customer went on swearing and threatening him for a long time. At last, when he subsided, Fyodor asked sullenly, And what is your occupation, sir? I make Bengal lights and fireworks. I am a pyrotechnician. They began ringing for matins. Fyodor gave the customer the boots, took the money for them and went to church. Carriages and sledges with bare skin rugs were dashing to and fro in the street. Merchants, ladies, officers were walking along the pavement together with the humbler folk. But Fyodor did not envy them, nor repine at his lot. It seemed to him now that rich and poor were equally badly off. Some were able to drive in a carriage and others to sing songs at the top of their voice and to play the concertina. But one and the same thing, the same grave, was awaiting all alike, and there was nothing in life for which one would give the devil even a tiny scrap of one's soul. And that was The Shoemaker and the Devil by Anton Chekhov. What do you think of it? What do you think happened? Was the gentleman really the devil? Did Fyodor really go to hell? 
Lottie says, very nice. I'm glad you like it. I think it's an interesting short story. And it is a combination of um, spookiness, of this very dark mood, and of course the presence of the devil with social criticism. And at the end, what Fyodor uh, concludes is that life is hard for everyone. It's hard for the, the working people, but it's also hard for the rich people in different ways. But it doesn't matter. When we all die, we all go to the same place. doesn't matter if we were uh, rich or poor. So it's not worth it to um, give up your soul, even a tiny bit of your soul, to the devil. Lady said, maybe in every person there are two parts. Yes, and that is a very gothic motif, right? The doubleness within uh, the human being, um, like Dr. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, right? Um, so perhaps, remember one thing that um, is recurrent is the smell of sulfur that connects with the devil, but also the smell of paraffin. So he's a shoemaker. So perhaps that is one explanation. So you can eat there two ways. Yeah, I, I see what Alison wrote here. Perhaps is what I was going to say. Wonderful, he says. For me, it is a moral tale and also fantastic because I, I can understand in two ways as supernatural, diabolic pact, and another one as a nightmare. Yeah, so there are two ways of interpreting this short story. And that's what makes this tale such a... Uh, let's say, hardcore fantasy, um, fantastic um, short story, because it's quite ambiguous. So you could interpret it as, indeed, he was visited by the devil, and he went to hell, and he was given perhaps a second chance to um, appreciate his own life. Or another possibility is to explain rationally what happened, and then there was no supernatural event um, whatsoever. In that case, remember I was saying the recurrence of the paraffin smell as he was a shoemaker. So perhaps he was working so hard to finish the boots that um, he smelled too much paraffin and he uh, went into a sort of uh, delirium, right? So in fact that whole thing happened only in his head and um, the man was not the devil, so all in his mind, but it worked as a moral lesson for himself to appreciate life more. Alison also says, and look like Faust by uh, Werther as like a parodic tale. Yes, there is definitely a connection with Faust and a pact with the devil. So here we are. I hope you've enjoyed this spooky story by Anton Chekhov. In the next episode, Day three in the seven days of Halloween will read the story The Apparition by the French author Guy de Maupassant. And I must say, this is one of the scariest stories I've ever read. In the meantime, if you'd like to study literature with me, take a look at the online courses available at Books and Culture on the website booksandculture.club. I'd love to welcome you to our international community of book lovers. Stay tuned and until the next stop in our journey through English literature.